Greetings. This is Dr. Christopher Harris, the Dean of the Coleman College of Business at the University of Pikeville. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast, Bear Business. On this podcast, you'll hear from faculty members, students, and community leaders, all with the same goal of growing the economy in Eastern Kentucky through both education and entrepreneurship. Let's get to it. Okay, here we are with one of our new faculty members today on Bear Business, Dr. Michelle Johnston. She hails from the cold weather in Minnesota, right? Is it that? Yeah, all the way from up north. And uh, she joined us this year. We have uh, we've worked in with mutual clients, but we never actually met until you came to campus. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of neat. We have a mutual person that's partnering with the business school, Chris Hacker. He's a professional in the industry and very interested in working with our school. And so welcome, Dr. Johnston. Thank you, Dr. Harris. We're so formal. Uh, <laughs> so first off, you get three choices. You can choose your favorite band, your favorite car, or your favorite dessert. But your husband's in a band, right? So that's yeah, he's in a band. So I'm going to have to go with Rocket Club. Oh. Otherwise, I think it's just blasphemy of some sort. <laughs> so, can you just give us a little bit about your background and what got you here? I, I I know, but I want to make sure that the students and the community can learn a lot about you uh, through this podcast. So, just your background. My background. Um, my background is in psychology. So um, I majored in psychology and biology in undergrad with a minor in chemistry. I'd originally thought of going to uh, medical school way back in the day, but ended up um, working in the stock market instead to help pay for my way to go through uh, undergrad. So I worked full time uh, doing that. So I, was, I started out as an auditor. Um, balancing general ledgers, and then went into the sales side and on the trading side, um, spent some time on the trading floor. Um, Then I went into managing high wealth accounts and portfolio management. So um, I spent the first eight years of my career kind of doing that, but it started when I was an undergrad. So I went to to school at night and on weekends and uh, worked during the day. And fast forward, I ended up uh, going back to school later in life. Um, got a, went to grad school for architecture. Then the economy collapsed, and I went back to school again for clinical psychology. And I did that for a, a while, um, and decided that it was a lot of hard work, and it was very sad work, and um, uh, it wasn't for me. I didn't really like the counseling side. And went back to an old undergrad professor. So here's where my connections to um, teachers, uh, very important connections with my professors, uh, played a huge role in my life. But I went back to an old professor from undergrad and asked her what to do that I was kind of at a standstill because I was in this doctorate program for clinical, but I just wasn't liking it and I didn't know what to do. And she said, well, you should you should stop all that. <laughs> you should come back for me. And so she she recommended I go into what's called industrial organizational psychology, and I had never heard of it. 
And uh, she said, you'd be perfect. You've got all that business background. You've got all that finance. Um, if you, It's basically business psychology. So you should go into that and come work for me. So I did. I switched my doctorate. I kind of wrapped up the master's portion um, and switched my doctorate to industrial organizational psychology and worked with one of my old professors for two years. Um, then went on to working for a publishing company and oversaw international, the international division of, I think I was 35 million in revenue. And I think we had, uh, 18 different distributor channels and I oversaw all the consulting and the, um, sales and, um, global contracting. So, um, I, I did that for five, six years and then went on to, uh, kind of work for an engineering firm where I was the head of talent acquisition. Um, then went into doing my own thing for a long time where I started, and then I started teaching and I fell in love with teaching. Uh, and I find there's more meaning in teaching than there ever was in, in, um, making a lot of money. So, um, my love for teaching kind of stems from those connections with my old undergrad professor who I believe changed my life. And I wanted to be able to give that back to somebody someday. Um, so that's kind of why I ended up in teaching and how I ended up here is just purely out of that client connection. <laughs> I had never heard of you, Pike. Well, it's, it's really, it, for lack of a better term, really cool to have you here because you don't really come to Pikeville unless you come to Pikeville, right? You don't pass through uh, Pikeville. And so what a, I call, we met, um, Chris, Chris was here and yeah. he said, you've got to, you've got to meet Michelle. I'm like, okay. Who's Michelle? And, talking. <laughs> and so then we talked and we really shared a lot of the same vision of, of what we think students would need. And that's how you ended up from Minnesota into Pikeville. And you like it pretty well here so far. Oh, I love it here. Um, I grew up in a small town. So despite all that like business experience I got early on in life, I actually grew up in a very small town. It was about 1,500 people. We didn't even have a stoplight. So I was impressed that Pikeville had stoplights. <laughs> I'm like, hey, look how big this place is. It's got stoplights. <laughs> but no, I grew up in a tiny town. I also grew up fairly poor. So some of the the surrounding communities I, I connect with and they, uh, they feel familiar to me because of where I grew up and the circumstances I grew up in. So um, it, it seemed like a natural fit. And I actually do enjoy Pikeville. I don't know what, what everybody, I don't understand the negative commentary about it. I think it's quite interesting. I'm having a good time. I've learned that if Walmart doesn't have it, I can wait two days for Amazon to ship it to me. <laughs> but I don't understand the problem either. And so here's one of the interesting, and, and I want you to talk a little bit about this. So when people heard that I was hiring or we were hiring an industrial organizational psychologist, they're like, why are you hiring a psychologist? Why not? I need somebody that can teach students bit. Uh, behavior, leadership, human resource management, how to understand themselves, how to communicate with others, all that soft side of the business is traditionally, I, I guess, not been taught by a psychologist, but we really want to do that here in the Coleman College of Business. 
And I know you're pretty passionate about how important that soft side is. So could you talk a little bit or the people skills, I think, is how you refer to it, not the soft side. Yeah, well, what we see in business is oftentimes when people are failing um, professionally and failing, meaning you're not performing, you're getting negative feedback, um, projects aren't getting done, the company is, is fairly inefficient in its its ability to be profitable. When we when we when I get called in, I only get called in when there's problems and um, I only get called in when there's people problems. And so usually when companies are failing, it's because of the people side, people not having interpersonal skills or good communication, they're avoiding conflict and, and therefore perpetrating more conflict by purely avoiding it. Um, we have breakdowns in collaboration. We have, you know, basically all the bad behavior that goes on in business. We have aggression, we have fear, we have, um, you know, psychological harm coming to people inside organizations and it's, it holds companies back. And so when people fail, it's not because of a lack of technical skill, it's a lack of people skills. And so I think they're vital to an organization because I have yet to have a client call me up and say, hey, I want you just to come in and just celebrate us because we're doing so good. Our people are behaving so well. <laughs> we would like to pay you just to come in and see what we've done. I have yet to have that happen. So um, that and and I spent my whole career taking care of people stuff, dealing with HR. I've been in HR departments. I've been the chief people officer. I've been the head of talent. I've I've dealt with litigation and and uh, physical aggression in the workplace. You know, I've I've seen it and done it all. And um, I have yet to have somebody come in and say, I need you to help fix this technical skill. They don't know how to use a computer. That doesn't, we don't see that. We see the failure of the people side. And so it's really, really important if people want to be successful in life is they have to understand how to deal with people. Well, one of the, as we work through the Coleman College of Business and understand what we want to do, our three main uh, core competencies we're trying to develop are critical thinking, collaboration, and communication. And then the one that we, we, we really want in there is understanding yourself, self-awareness, right? Why, self-awareness. why is self-awareness such a big deal? Uh, because if you don't know that you have a problem, you can't fix it, right? If you don't know it all goes back to being able to be the best version of yourself. And if you're not aware of who you are, you have no hope of improving it because you can't make change without identifying that there's an issue, something to change. Um, and self-awareness is one of those things that I, I often use the metaphor of, of the compass. Like once you have it, having self-awareness gives you a compass. It gives you an ability to um, know where you're going how to anticipate problems or challenges, right? That sense of direction that you get from your compass is what self-awareness is. And once it's there and once you have it, you forever have your compass, right? You have forever know how to navigate the world around you and how to interact with other people. But without it, you just end up getting lost. And so I see it as, you know, self-awareness is a, a beautiful thing. I think it, it it allows us to have deeper connections with human beings, allows us to have... Um, better businesses, better interactions with our employees. But it's a double-edged sword for sure, because once you're aware, you can never be unaware. It's like a light switch goes on. And once it's on, you can't shut it off. 
So you're forever aware of your behavior and your conduct and (laughs) how you're interacting with people and their feelings. And so that can get difficult and can get tiring. But at the same time, if I had a choice between having a compass and not having a compass, I would always want my compass. So say there's a middle-aged guy that really enjoys dad jokes. (laughs) Self-aware. I'm very aware of myself. You're very aware of yourself and your dad jokes. Sometimes sometimes you repeat the same dad joke. So it's... (laughs) Over and over and over again. But we have a good time in the Coleman College business, though. We laugh. um, We laugh a lot. What I think is very interesting, because when we, because we've been in the same factories, I I Mm -hmm. think out here, but we're almost polar opposites. So I go straight to the production floor and I want to see the data, I want to understand the times, and you're up working on the other side of the business. And I, I'm very excited to have us both working in the same college of business because that's two different, two different um, outlooks maybe, or two different approaches, but they're both needed in any business. And to give our students that type of difference in thought, I think is very valuable. And I was wondering what you think about that. Well, let's not, let's not, overemphasize that you know the data people side because I like data I like a good number and I like to crunch them like anybody else um and I can nerd out on it quite well with a spreadsheet but I think you know when it comes to particularly because you and I both have worked in manufacturing for uh, as an industry which I love that industry I, I've loved working with the people some of the most hardworking, genuine people you will ever meet in your life come out of manufacturing um But yes, so while you're down on the floor teaching about lean enterprise and how to drive efficiency into productivity in product lines, I'm upstairs dealing with a supervisor who's had a employee um, who refuses to come to work (laughs) or um, is causing problems on the line. And we have to deal with understanding how do we approach that situation um, so that we can keep the production line moving and um, teaching them those leadership skills and those supervisory skills so that your lean efforts, your your efforts in teaching them how to drive efficiency on the line actually gets accomplished because everybody's decided to work together. Um, I end up talking with those supervisors and those people who don't want to get along and don't want to, <laughs> no matter how efficient that line or process might be, um, we have to get them working together. And so, you know, we have to work together, in my opinion. We have to have those shared skills because they do overlap. You can't do your job and I can't do my job if those things aren't overlapping, right? Oh, yeah. You think about all the lean lean processes that you teach, right? I'm lean certified as well. Just because I, I like you, have spent a lot of time on a manufacturing floor. I go right to production sometimes because I want to understand what are the people dynamics happening on the floor? Why are there people shoving each other and, you know... <clears throat> being difficult or refusing to come in, you know, what's going on. And I want to see it myself. So I've spent lots of time with steel toe boots, walking up down lines, talking to people. What is your opinion of what's going on? Getting to know them. Um, Because as a leader, you have to know your people. You can't inspire them to follow you if you don't know your people. And I can't help these leaders learn how to inspire if they don't know their people. So, you know, you have to model it sometimes for everybody. I just think it's exciting that because I agree with you wholeheartedly that we need both sides to be successful. 
and having being able to provide that to our students, I think will be a big plus. Now you talked about the manufacturing industry and, and of course I love it too, right? I could spend all day in a manufacturing plant. I love it. But our students, how do we talk with our students and get them to understand how great of a career this is? This is one of my struggles is because when they come out of high school, they only know, right, not only, but doctor, lawyer, teacher, you know, the, the, the normal ones. But you can go into some of the companies we've worked with, stay in the same company and have five different careers and live in many different places within the same company for a production company. So how do we and, and this is one of the things that you and I are trying to do is try to place our students in these great careers, because some of these companies have high potential programs, right? Well, they're hire a student and they'll put, put them somewhere for three months, somewhere else for three months, somewhere else for three months and move them around and invest this money so they can be a future leader in the program. I guess my question to you is, how do you approach a student to explain them how great a career this could be? You mean manufacturing? Yes, ma'am. Um, I think manufacturing is not going to be for everybody, and we don't want people going into manufacturing simply because we're we're excited about it. They ha- it has to be because it's a good fit for them, um, based on their personality and their career interests. But what I will say about manufacturing is it's it's the heartbeat of this country. It's the heartbeat of the world, and when manufacturing starts to decline. It's like the heart started stopping its ability to pump, right? It, you're just not, the rest of the world starts to slow. And so it's such an incredibly important part of the economy in the world, around the world. And there's so much, if you like working with genuine people and you like having variety in your work and you like having to problem solve, manufacturing is where it's at. There's an enormous amount of career opportunities. Um, You're not wrong in that. You can start out on a production line, move into supply chain, move into materials. You can move into finance and marketing. Um, You can do it all in manufacturing and they don't have the kind of rigid roles that you see in some other organizations like finance or accounting. You know, you get into these these very prescribed roles where manufacturing is very dynamic and it's exciting. There's always something new. There's always, you know, for lack of a better description, there's, you never see the same problem twice. <laughs> like the problems always kind of morph and change. And once it's kind of like with lean, once you figure out how to fix one or five wise, right it's it's like once you figure out one problem you you fix it and then another one emerges and you're just constantly moving through this this series of problem solving and driving efficiency and so it's just never ending right um and there's a lot of money to be made i think that the thing that people don't know is manufacturing pays well mm. it is really really well um, but it is hard work. You know, you have to be willing to put on some jeans and steel toe boots and walk into work at five, six a.m. in the morning. Right. And you're going to you're going to put in a good hard day, but you're going to feel good about it when you're done. Would you say on the whole, you when you go work in manufacturing, you control your own destiny? How how well you do, how far you move up? I think so. 
particularly if you've got strong people skills, the ones that are most successful are the ones that really um, you not only are controlling your career that way from a technical side, like understanding lean and process and supply chain management. And, you know, you can get those technical skills down. And if you have really strong people skills, the sky's the limit. Truly, the sky's the limit in manufacturing. So we've been looking at different curriculums and, and moving forward with our curriculum. And as we've investigated other business curriculums, that that people side of the business seems to be a glaring hole. Why do you think that is? I mean, here at the Coleman College of Business, you're one of the reasons you're here is to help us fill that hole, right? To prepare our students. But why do you think it's such a glaring hole in other places? Well, I think people dismiss it as common sense. And I've heard, literally heard students and other faculty say, isn't that common sense? No, because if it was, we'd all be good at it. It's not common sense. And there is a science behind human behavior. And it's a very deep, rich, and complex field. Um, And it's not as easy as everybody thinks. And I I always kind of smirk when students hear I'm giving open book, book, open note, untimed quizzes, and they think they're going to go into it. And it's going to be easy. It'll be 15 minutes. And then they fail. And then they're mystified as to why they fail. It is not common sense. And there is a science behind it, and you do have to understand the deeper um, intricacies of human behavior and why they happen, because it is very complex. You've got your own personality and your own history and experiences, and then you've got other people in a room who have their own personalities and histories and experiences, and then you've got corporate politics and roles and and all these other dynamics kind of intersecting all at the same time, and behavior just goes bonkers, right? <laughs> it's like herding cats. So (laughs) I think people dismiss it because they think that it's so easy that they don't have to pay attention to it. And you see program after program where they're optional courses. And yet I see failure rates over and over and over again, people being terminated, lack of um, productivity on lines, lack of a lack of efficiency, lack of, I mean, that's the cross industries, right? Poor communication, breakdowns. You're just not, we're, we're not rocking and rolling on the people side. And yet schools continue to make those optional courses. And I'm advocating that they shouldn't be optional. I don't think that we should get, allow students to not have those skills coming out because if they have them, they're going to be stronger and better in a better position to be competitive um, in this country, more so than any other student who chose not to take those classes. And most students will not take them if they don't have to. Well, one of the things that that we did when when you got here, we met uh, with the faculty and came up with a mission statement. And, you know, sometimes you know this as well as I do. A lot of times those mission statements don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. We spent some time to look at it. And, and our mission statement is to create highly qualified professionals equipped with the knowledge and experience to succeed in a complex business world. And without... The, the piece that you're talking about, we can't do that. They're, they're not going to be uh, equipped with the knowledge and experience that they need in a complex business world, because not only do they need to know, know how to communicate with people like them around them, but business is a global environment. You need to understand how to communicate with people who are drastically different than you are. 
And so I culturally, right? Like that's another layer of human behavior, right? You add culture, belief systems, all that stuff gets interlaid on, on just you and your own experience. Not everybody's a middle-aged guy that likes dad jokes. I mean, it's just, it's not, you know, not everybody's like that. Well, and I've, I've been blessed in my career to have worked in 33 different countries. Um, and I've probably spent at least half of my career overseas. And understanding that, that's another layer of understanding people and being open to differences. And it's a whole different, to me, that it, it adds to the complexity, but also adds to the richness of human behavior and understanding why we're all so different. There are many pieces, there are many kinds, you know, elements of our, of being human that we all share universally. And it's comforting to go into different countries and see that we we're, we're probably often more similar than we are different, but understanding what makes us different is so important too, to understanding how do we, how do we all achieve the same goal at the same time? How do we move in that same direction? Um, and it, it, it's vital. I don't know how you, you know, I don't know how we don't arm ourselves and our students with those skills and make sure that they are going to be put in the best position to be successful. Well, we are now. we are now it's interesting you say that because i've noticed in different countries i've worked in manufacturing people speak the same language even if it's not the same language it may be in german it may be in in, chinese yeah (laughs) it's all the same language yeah well this has been great so any anything that you want to say um you know we'll get this out to students and um just the community, but any, anything else you want to, this has been great. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, it is fun. Um, I don't know that I have anything profound to say. I feel like I'm supposed to say something profound. I, I guess I don't have anything, you know, overly in, enlightening to share with students or others on uh, Pike campus. Um, it is an honor to be at the school. I'm, I'm thrilled I'm here. And um, hopefully I can help people make a difference or I can help make a difference in students' lives and then arm them with the skills they need to be successful. Well, we're glad you're here also. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. And um, I guess we'll see you later this afternoon. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Bear Business, the podcast for the Coleman College of Business at the University of Pikeville. We would love to get in contact with you. Please feel free to contact me personally, Chris Harris at upike.edu. That's Chris Harris at upike.edu. We'd love to talk to you about being a student or a community partner. Let's grow together.